Hello and welcome to our new mini episodes, or our minis as we like to call them, of Straight to the Comments. And if you missed our last one, um, the idea is that this is not a full deep dive episode and more like a bonus episode. Yeah, and we're going to be sort of playing a guessing game at the start. It's called our Out of Context Comment, uh, and we will keep reading comments until we guess what the story is about. We'll then move on to answering your questions or any comments that you sent us that you'd like us to analyse. And, of course, sharing our crazy celeb prediction of the week. Oh, too many things to predict. But let's go (laughs) straight to the comments. Drumroll. So, Sarah, what are people commenting about? So, the first comment is, go woke or go broke? I feel like that could be any Mail Online article these days. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, literally no idea. Yeah. I'd prefer to spend my money on the National Trust and Merlin passes. Oh, I mean, that is how I'm hoping to spend my retirement, visiting the <laughs> National Trust. Um, oh, need another clue? Going to need another one, yeah. I'm really cross. I really wanted to watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and couldn't find it anywhere. And I have everything. Ooh. <laughs> That sounds like something to do with streaming. And can I just say, Chitty Bang Bang, I have been in the original car. Um, It was very fun. Yeah, my uncle had uh, bid on a thing where you could do that and we all went and dressed up. So, (laughs) yeah, my family are big Chitty Chitty Bang Bang fans, just (laughs) to put that out there. I love it. We really need to talk more about this. But I just generally, I, I tried to watch it the other day and I, I've forgotten how creepy the toy maker is. You know, the child Ooh, catcher. Yeah, he is creepy AF. Just Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> so, do you need one more clue? Yeah, give me the last one. Yeah. Seriously, they spend $17 billion a year and it's 99% garbage. I think this is specifically not just streaming, but is it Netflix? Yes, you nailed it. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> I didn't know it was seventeen billion. Um, I did know it was ninety nine percent garbage. <laughs> I'm talking about Netflix and TV streaming, which has kind of been an ongoing story, you know, because of their price sort of increases and the ongoing war, you know, between all the big streaming services for our subscription money. And I'm talking about Amazon, Disney Plus, plus Netflix, and more. Mm. So yeah, Netflix spends around seventeen billion a year on content. They've got 250 million global subscribers, but they're actually massively in debt. And what's not helping is the Hollywood writers' strike has put a stop to all new content. And therefore, I think it's going to make it really difficult for streaming companies to justify their prices and keep subscribers. And also, I think what sparked off my interest in this topic is I saw a lot of comments on Instagram about like that feeling, you know, when at the end of the evening, you're like scrolling and trying to find Mm. something on Netflix. And just generally the content and user experience is just going downhill. For example, there was this comment, Netflix has become a graveyard of unfinished shows with no end in sight. They do seem really quick to cancel shows, even if they're popular. That does seem to be a Netflix problem. Yeah. And, and I'm not completely clear. Like you said, they don't let things sort of take Build. their time yeah, to kind of develop an audience. Someone said, we cancelled our Netflix over a year ago because we were spending more time looking for something to watch over actually watching shows and movies because there's literally nothing good to watch. Mm. And so my question to you first, 
I, I know you're a fan of TV streaming, <laughs> but what are your go-to channels? Um, so fan or addict, <laughs> you, yeah. know, you can use either word. I do have Netflix. Um, I like Amazon Prime best because it has things like BritBox, yeah. which particularly because I spend a lot of time in South Africa, I really, really feel homesick for the British stuff. Yeah. So I watch that with a VPN and I really love that. Yeah. You know, just the classics like Midsummer Murders, um, all those things. My family are being into streaming. My mom, <laughs> she really did think that she'd finished Netflix. She was like, <laughs> But I finished. We were like, um, I don't think that's how it works. But essentially, <laughs> I, I got what she was saying. You know, she could never find anything. I also think there is an issue of how much with this endless scrolling, is it because we have too much choice? You know, when we had just our few channels, yeah. would we have settled much easier? Um, but I just, I just miss classic TV and, and films. I think they could work their way around the, um, the writer's strike by bringing in more um of the old ones that they don't have already on their their show like like focus yeah. on a, a revival type thing you know that's what i think they should do someone said why don't you just go back down to the library and start renting out classic films again or films using yeah. the library card which is i thought was a brilliant idea because it does feel like the streaming services have this very shallow library of content yeah so i like this comment about blockbuster I miss Blockbuster. I miss going there with a friend or a partner, wandering around, choosing a few films each, getting some snacks and then going home to watch them. Not listlessly scrolling through badly curated menus, trying to find anything that looks half decent. And if you didn't like the film you rented, you just spent the evening laughing at it because you couldn't just go back to the menu and start listlessly scrolling again. I mean, life was just simpler back then. And it just made me think when I read that comment, why can't these streaming services find a way for you once you said no to a suggestion, it goes away forever? Because I think that mm. would make me feel like, no, I don't have to keep repeating the same behavior. And I really do think they avoid doing this because they don't want to show you how kind of empty their offering is. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll have something that you really wanted to watch and then suddenly it's like they've taken it off again. It's it's only there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of good content that I like, but you can go through it so quickly. I think that's the other thing we're consuming so much faster than we used to. You know, the thing I can never find enough of are really good classic period dramas, like those BBC, usually all the Jane Austen stuff. Yeah. And, uh, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You know, yeah. coming out of the, the lake. Mr. <laughs> Darcy. Yeah, I'm a bit out of touch with the BBC because I loved it when I was growing up. Definitely, like you said, those sort of period and prestige dramas. I feel like that's what the BBC is known for, right? Um, mm. So I was a bit shocked when I went back last year and I asked my mum. She was always saying that, you know, the BBC isn't what it used to be. And she really resented having to pay £159 a year for the licence fee. And I was just curious. So I Googled, well, how much is Netflix for a year? You know, the standard package is £131 for a year. But the difference is with Netflix, you're not going to get prosecuted in court if you don't pay your license fee. No. And in fact, the BBC prosecutes 2,000 people per week and the fine is up to £1,000, which I don't know if you remember when you were growing up, you always had that moment like where the TV license van would be going around. You know, <laughs> it was so strange. The TV child catcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant, by the way. <laughs> and actually, there's a campaign group in the UK set up to sort of 
protect people from these prosecutions because they're saying that they're criminalizing often the poorest and most vulnerable people in society. And that is something that's a bit of a bugbear for me with the BBC is that they're actually like, who are they actually going after? Like, can you imagine having to choose between your TV and like, which is often companionship for older people and like your heating? I think it's a terrible thing to do to people. Well, I think particularly now they've taken away the free for the over, was it 75? I mean, that that, yeah. seems, that seems really unfair. That seems something that I feel like that they've earned. So I don't agree with that. No, I don't. Or as this comment says, it takes 8,490 licensed payers to pay Gary Lineker's £1.35 million salary when many over 75s have had their free license removed by the BBC. They're on a state pension of around £8,600 a year. I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Because we've got the, the rider strike going on, particularly in America, because they're trying to get better pay when they're the ones creating all this content. Yeah. But it's, it's the disparity. So, I mean, there are these stars being paid absolutely millions. It's disproportionate. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like that's poor money management as well. Yeah, I mean, I know they pay billions on shows like The Crown, etc. But when you think of Paramount, and I think they actually had a kind of conflict with Kevin Costner because he was getting paid like $19 million a year, which we referenced in our latest episode about Trophy Wives. I mean, it's an enormous amount of money compared to, like you said, what often it's what, two, three hundred people per episode making these shows. It's an enormous amount of money. It just doesn't make sense to me. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But we do have some tips on how to save some money if you are facing this thing of like, which subscription should I keep? Um, I saw this comment. The solution is just to wait till you have a decent backlog of stuff to watch and subscribe to one of the services and watch everything, then rotate onto the next service. Yeah, I was thinking that that's probably the best way to do it. And it totally, you can see I'm a farmer's daughter. Makes me think of crop rotation, you know, where (laughs) (laughs) you've got to let like the nutrients build back up before you (laughs) you put it back in that one. Yeah. So I think that is a really good idea because you don't actually need them all at once. And yeah, to your point, I actually stopped watching Disney Plus for six months and then I've resubscribed to it recently. And then I've turned off another one, Paramount. Because of you, Kevin Costner. No Yellowstone. (laughs) (laughs) We have got some great comments that came in through Instagram recently, but we wanted to answer someone's question, didn't we? And it was a really good one. Yeah. So Veronica for Hereford linked to um, an Instagram post by the New York Times style. And what they'd done is they'd posted a photo of Florence Pugh wearing a sheer purple dress with no bra. She was actually at the Valentino show last month. And she she's previously been called out similarly for wearing a pink see-through dress at the Valentino show last year. And um, the question was, so New York Style posted a quote by someone where it said, I find bras totally uncomfortable, hot and itchy for both work and leisure, writes a reader. But looking around, I seem to be in the minority. What are the rules for going braless? Is it okay to show my nips or is it rude? And that's what Veronica from Hereford wanted us to talk about this week um, and share our opinions on. And we looked up a lot of comments uh, around that that topic and it was quite interesting. So, for example, some people were saying there's a big difference between not wearing a bra, which is okay, and to each their own and more power to you. And it's completely different to wear sheer shirts plus no bra in like a public place or a place with lots of children. You know what I find funny is like talking Mm. about nudity in front of children is... I suppose it depends on their age, but they're the ones being breastfed. So 
they're usually the ones that have a naked boob in their face most of the time anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's just a weird way of looking at it. You know, and a lot of people really uh, were on the side of, you know, it's totally up to you. So for example, I know the rule, if you want to wear a bra, wear it. If you don't want to wear a bra, don't wear it. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. You know, so it's your choice. But other people pointed out that it's not really whether you should or shouldn't wear one, but the potential issues that you might face if you don't. So for example, I absolutely hate bras and I would prefer not to wear them, but it seems like a massive no-no in society. I don't understand a man nipples are okay, but women are radioactive. Mm. And someone went on to say, I want to be braless, but it's the harassment that makes me not do it. Mm. So it's a bit like walking home at night by yourself as a woman. You should be able to, absolutely you should be able to, but is it realistic to do so in our current society because we're the ones that are going to pay the price if we don't? So that's the sort of element that they're bringing up there. What do you think? Look, I'm not offended by seeing a starlet wearing no bra and a transparent outfit, you know, on the red carpet. I mean, hello, we were in the 90s watching, you know, all these moments with Kate Marsh, you know, where she had no bra on and, you know, that famous picture of her with just like a see-through dress completely Mm. in some black knickers and she's smoking a cigarette and she just looks so cool. And I sort of feel like myself when I was younger and I was more athletic, I had nothing going on there. It felt okay to not wear a bra and just wear a little um, top and it wasn't a big deal. But as you kind of get curvier or older or like put on weight, it's like, no, 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 you have to wear a bra. Do you remember when Charlie Dimmock really caused a bit of a fuss? Because she was braless and sort of back to nature. But it's almost like if they're a bit too big, they're like, they're very distracting. Well, I think it wasn't just that um, she wasn't wearing a bra, but she was doing physical movement as well. So some of the comments that I also found were talking about that it's not necessarily a yes or no across the board, but it depends on the situation. So for example, mm-hmm. I hate bras too, but sometimes you've got to keep the girls under control. Can't let them get all rowdy doing one thing while you're trying to do another. Yeah. Um, another one going braless is definitely more accepted for people with smaller boobs. So I feel like Kate Moss fits yeah. into that. Yeah. And then they said, as soon as someone's a B cup or larger, people will stare and judge. So annoying. I know for myself, I don't have huge boobs, but they're not as perky as they were when I was like 16. So, um, I just don't feel comfortable wearing a bra outside and it could be partially societal, but it's also physically. I mean, I'm not going to be running around without some strappage. Let's put it that way. Needs some support. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing, you know, because I do think there's, is is it to do with the size of the breasts? Because it's almost like, do you remember there's that sort of fetishization, isn't there, of big boobs thinking of Pamela mm. Anderson, yeah. um, Salma Hayek. They're just like, wow, you know, you look so curvy and so gorgeous. But yeah. it's almost like you don't see that look at all on the um, catwalk and, you know, in high fashion where you see these very see-through and revealing outfits. It's just not, you never see really curvy women kind of rocking that look unless no. you're Bianca Sensori in Florence. <laughs> Wearing a pillow. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think it's something to do with the size. Yeah, absolutely. I also think uh, appropriateness of the situation. So I'm not going to go to an interview with a sheer top and no um, no bra. But if, if you're going to a Valentino show, I think it's yeah. perfectly fine. Mostly I'd say live and let live. Unfortunately, though, you know, like you said about the size and sexuality, people really confuse nudity and sexuality because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the same thing. Mm. I like that comment. 
I mean, I spent a bit of time in a in a tantric ashram, actually, like a hippie col- uh, a hippie commune, and um, you got very used to people being naked all the time, and then it didn't seem like it was necessarily a sexual thing. But mm-hmm. I think in our society, we're so used to with porn and everything like that, we see mm-hmm. nudity, we see the body as innately sexual if it's mm-hmm. not clothed. But I don't think we necessarily should. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because I saw an image last night of, I don't know if you saw it on the Men Online of Lourdes Leon, Madonna's daughter. She oh. was wearing a completely sheer dress with just black knickers. And it reminded me a little bit of that Kate Moss dress, but also mm. Rose Gowan when she went down the red carpet with Marilyn Manson and just had that chain yeah. dress. I just think these are real shock dresses. Would you wear them down the high street past no. the slug and lettuce? Probably not. <laughs> I suppose what I would like is to live in a society where, you know, you you have choice over your own body and it's up to you. And also that maybe people were were not so bothered by bodies, but it's also mm-hmm. respecting other people because we live in a shared society. So it's I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. That was such an interesting question. Thank you, Veronica. So we're now moving on to our crazy celebrity prediction of the week. We are indeed. Okay, my crazy celebrity prediction is, is that Madonna's comeback concert, she not only brings back Britney, she brings Beyonce in and Taylor Swift and the internet breaks and we're all (laughs) freed then from ever looking at the internet ever again. (laughs) They break it permanently, not even just for a short amount of time. Exactly. What's yours? So mine is that um, Kevin Costner's estranged wife hires Kim Kardashian to be her divorce lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's quite crazy, (laughs) you know, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. I feel like there's a film in there. That would be sort of Legally Blonde Part 3. Exactly. (laughs) Mixed with Liar Liar because you remember he was defending like a gold digger. Um, Yeah. 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 That's it for today's episode. So thank you for joining us. And please remember to rate us on Spotify with, of course, five stars and give us a really good Apple review because it really helps with the algorithm and getting people to find this show. And we just hope that they will. It really does. And follow us over on Instagram. That is S2TC Podcast and send us your questions for our next mini. So see you next time. We'll see you next time. This podcast was produced by Emily Crosby Media.